Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Auburn Express. What's up in War Eagle War Report family? You got Ike Jones. We are back with another morning drop. Today, we are going to unfortunately have to unpack the issues with Auburn's defense on third down this season, particularly as it relates to the previous game versus them. Y'all know how we do right here, War Report style. Let's drop it on them. Morning drop. It is Monday, November 27th. Ike Jones, be will in here. Another morning drop Monday, a metrics Monday. Yes. And we are in here talking a little more Auburn football. <laughs> Not a lot of conversation going to be happening about Auburn football going forward. So we got to give some parting uh thoughts on the season uh, i haven't had a chance to get in here and talk very much i've been out there covering games and such but uh be will how you feeling this morning i mean what what you know what i, I don't know man it still hurts it still hurts yeah definitely still stings and i'm not going to i'm gonna pour, pour a little salt in the wound this morning i get it I, I understand but uh we still have to talk about it because it's something that i think you know there is a press conference that's going to be happening today with coach hugh freeze i'm sure he's going to have to address questions about it uh so we might as well get the party started early with yeah. that before we get into the conversation hopefully you all have already done the necessary but share the video make sure you add us on social media so that we know that you've done that hashtag get your weight up even if you want to oh, so yeah. we can you know see that uh like the video let's go ahead and get those thumbs up flowing and subscribe to the channel whether you are watching it live or you are re-watching it we definitely appreciate that go ahead minimize the chat hit the thumbs up and uh give us that support in that way if you're out listening in the land of podcasts we definitely appreciate those ears uh you guys are re-listening to this the day after for sure. go ahead and share the podcast with somebody right now while you hear me say it go ahead and click share send it to somebody whether that is via social media text message in those discords that you guys love to talk about us on or in whatever uh forum that it is where you like to call us idiots Oh, yeah, we hear about it all the time, but we appreciate you guys sharing it anyway, and uh, we look forward to any conversations that come forth out of that. Um, let's get into the conversation, though, about third down. It's not right. a fun conversation that needs to be no. had, but it's a conversation no. that needs to be had no. nonetheless. Uh, Auburn, statistically this season, it's going to sound weird when I say this because I've said it before, 
But when you think about, actually, B, do you know, best guess, where Auburn ranks in third down percentage on defense this season? I actually saw this before the game. It was somewhere around 17th in the nation before the game. I don't know what it is after. We are 18th after the game. That makes sense. Okay. Feels like, ah, man, there's no way we're in the top 20 in the country in third down defense, man. As many times as we've seen our defense give up third downs, particularly third and long. Now, there is no metric for how often a team surrenders a third and long. Right. But. To be in the top 20 in third down defense in the country does not feel like a bad thing, right? And so, right. like, why are we even in here talking about, hey, man, we're in the top 20 in third down defense. We're good. Right. You would think. <laughs> the issue is the third and longs for sure, and we understand what that is. <sighs> the issue is how many yards. And, again, there's no metric for this, and I will get into the numbers after we get through with the bowl game, and I really want to parse these numbers out. The issue is – we are 77th in the country in fourth down defense. So what that says to me is that we are giving teams too many opportunities to on whether we've got them in third down or not to get into fourth and short. Yeah. So, yes, we're not giving up first downs on third down a lot, but we are surrendering too many yards on first through third down where teams are getting into fourth and short scenarios and they're converting at a 53% rate, 53.8% of fourth downs Auburn is surrendering on this uh, on the season or has surrendered during the regular season. So that is the biggest issue with this defense. It's not that we're not performing well on third down, only 31.6% surrendered, but we're giving up too many yards and letting teams get into fourth and short scenarios. Yeah. I actually went back and looked uh, since the LSU game, at the number of three and outs this defense was able to force mm-hmm. over the course of those games. Mm-hmm. We'll start with the LSU because that's where I stopped and I was like, all right, just, all right, we, we, we're done. <laughs> they didn't force a single three and out during the LSU game. Not one. Not one single time did LSU get on the field and then have to leave. <laughs> after Wait, no, I feel like played. they did. None. Well, they stopped no them three like three or four drives in a row in they late second them, quarter. But they got first downs on those drives. Okay. 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 Ole Miss, four three and outs. Okay. Oddly, Mississippi State only had two. Hmm. Okay. New Mexico State only had one. Oh, we know that story. Arkansas, five. Vanderbilt, six. And then Bama only had four. So... With an offense that is going three and out too much and a defense that's not forcing enough, you get into a bad situation there. The statistic that hurt my heart, man, in this Bama game, and I told you this before we got on, average yards per completion for Jalen Milrow during this game on third down, 19.5. He rose 19.5 yards per completion. Not to mention, he had his, on the the game-winning, what ended up being the game-winning drive for Bama, a third and 20 that he gained 19 yards on, which subsequently led to a fourth and one completion. So again, this is what I mean by, you're doing good, and then on third and long, and this happened during the old Miss game a couple of times, where 
you surrender too many yards on third down. And yes, you, you, you they didn't get the first down, but you gave them enough yards where they're like, oh, we, we could potentially pick this up on fourth down. And then they eventually did. So you've got to either be better on your third and long defense or you have to stop people on fourth and short. And that's where we are seeing the biggest issue or we've seen the biggest issue with this Auburn defense consistently this season, in my opinion, is the inability to get people into fourth and don't think about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh. Conversion during this game, a third and 20 that got 19, and then, of course, fourth and 31 infamously surrendered for Auburn during this game. Unreal, man. <laughs> Unreal. Now, I, I was guessing, of course, when we were in the after the game and then even in the show yesterday that this was almost very uniquely due to pass rush. Because if you have a third and long play, the, they need time to get it. But you have to send people to even kind of apply pressure because just four has a beginning for us. From what you see and what you've been looking at with defense all year, breaking down film, do you think that's our biggest Achilles heel and the reason for that stat? Ask it again. Let me think about okay. it while you ask it again. Considering that just front four has not been able to generate enough pressure on quarterbacks mm -hmm. for us, Ron Roberts has at times routinely sent a fifth uh, rusher to generate pressure on long downs and left holes in what is already mostly a zone defense on those big downs. And that leaves too much space for a decent quarterback and, and wide receiver to make a connection, finding the hole in the zone, um, vacating the spaces to come and rush the passer. That has been uh, essentially what has doomed us to give up very yeah. long plays. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there is an issue. You know, listen, as well noted, I'm a, I'm a big 49ers fan, mm -hmm. right? And the defensive line for the 49ers ridiculous. Right. So ridiculous that they don't feel the need to blitz very often because right. they're like, man, our four guys up front can go get after. If it's third and seven or more, we're going to trust that one of those four guys is going to get home up front. Um, Ron Roberts has been blitzing. He hasn't been blitzing more. It hasn't. It's it's been simulated pressure a lot more than anything right. else. Right. But yes, I do think that. When, especially when you're dropping like a defensive lineman or a jack linebacker into coverage that's not really a great cover person that leaves you more vulnerable uh, on, on the back end. There is an issue currently with not having a guy that you know defenses have to be afraid of in your front in passing scenarios specifically where they're like, okay, this dude is coming. We've got to devote multiple people or roll pressure or, or roll the quarterback. or We got to do something because that dude is a problem. Get far away from him. And, you know, in the years where we have been a championship team, we've always had that one, at least one, havoc-creating defensive lineman where that guy's going to get home on third down. On third down, we need it. That guy is going to make that play. We haven't had that guy on this defense in a couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. We haven't, right? Like, it's just, I mean, honestly, since Derrick Brown left, right? Like, right. 
since Derek Brown left, there hasn't been a guy that you look at on Auburn's defensive line that says, I absolutely expect this person to make a play here on a big third down. Whether right. that is third and short, we're going to get a run stuff, or third and long, we're going to, whether it's going to be a sack or a pressure or something's going to happen mm-hmm. from a havoc standpoint, and this guy's going to generate it. Um, I thought that that person was going to be Jalen McLeod for Auburn. He has shown up in points during this season, right. but I don't think he's been consistent enough in that role. And maybe, you know, that's a scheme deficiency where we haven't figured out, okay, how do we isolate Jalen McLeod on a weak uh, pass blocker? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know what the issue is, but I do know that that's something that Auburn has to figure out going into next season. If they're going to transcend from being, you know, a middling six, seven win team mm-hmm. to an elite or a competitive nine, 10, 11 win team right. next season. It's going to start with our ability to get off the field on third down consistently, get off the field, not make stops and make them consider fourth down, but literally forcing punts on, on third down or getting much better at fourth and short scenarios. You've got to be able to bow up on fourth and short and make sure that they're not able to complete or consistently giving up more than 50% on, on fourth down is not going to be a recipe right. for success. Right. Like you just can't live in a world where you're consistently giving up third and longs and fourth downs and think that you're going to be a successful team. You're, you're, you're either giving up too much field position or you're prolonging drives for a defense that's already going to be tired because if the offense has been as inconsistent as this offense has been throughout the season, right? they're, they're not getting any help, then your defense needs to be able to get off the field more. And yeah. that's going to be something that I hope is addressed during this offseason. And, and, you know, I know we still have the bowl game left, but we are essentially in the offseason for all. We are. The transfer portal opens up a week from today. So we're going to see a lot of name. We've already seen a lot of people declare that they intend to enter the transfer. Not a lot, but we've started to see the announcements come around from all over college football already of people who intend to declare for the portal when it opens up next Monday. We're going to see Auburn players and some attrition happen out from Auburn. That's going to be a central focus or should be, in my opinion, a central focus from this staff is how do we make sure our defensive line depth, because that's the big thing that Coach Hugh Freeze talked about earlier in the season, didn't have enough depth at the defensive line to feel like he could go tempo and preserve the guys that he needed. How do you get the depth necessary there to be able to rotate? And how do you find a difference maker on third and long who is going to consistently be able to create havoc? So a couple of things there. Well, of course, I'm, I don't know if you got a chance to, to see the show. I know you were traveling all day yesterday, but Mike and I were kind of having a not disagreement, but a differing of opinion, which was the biggest issue. Was it the coaching decisions that led to the loss or was it uh, a talent gap? And one area we didn't talk about, but I think that's actually the area where the talent gap is so obvious is in those years where we have been able to push through and at least win the West. We had a huge difference maker. A, this guy is going to get you if you don't double him guy. Whether it was Sensei Mud, whether it was in 2013, it was actually Carl Lawson and D Ford on, on, on both sides of each other. Of course, 2019, it was Derek Brown. We have had a guy, and, the, and every defense wasn't great. 2013's defense wasn't great. But what they right. could do with how we could run the ball, we could possess the ball, we could run the clock down. And when you did get the ball, 
we could get to your quarterback. All we had to do was make some stops, which, of course, the longer we stayed on the field, the worse it got for us, which is how we lost that Florida State game in the second half. But it seems that we've been short of consistent production. Like, we've recruited fairly well on the defensive line, but every guy's not panning out. Well, at least in the last regime, every guy didn't pan out. So we had a lot of, of course, Byron Cowell was a big miss. And we had some guys that left the field. We thought uh, Big Cat Brian, he was like a four-star flip on, on signing day. It ended up being a non-factor. How right. do we get to that? Because obviously, one of the biggest difference makers we've got on this defensive line, Marcus Harris, he's likely out of here. He's graded out very well with how he's played this season in the biggest games against the best competition. He's he gone. Got, listen, late game in this game, he got a big sack, and I was like, he, "There he is. That's that's what we've been leading. Somebody to show up late it. game, get, and you know, he wasn't on the field on." the last play of the game. Yeah. I I don't know. The issue with offense, I think, has been noted. Offensive line and wide receiver have been huge deficiencies for us coming from the last couple of years of Gus's tenure. And that's really what I think the biggest problem for the offense has been. Hugh Freeze has, has stood to fix those problems fairly quickly. I have not seen the same momentum, the same recruiting success so far on the defensive line like I have in those other positions. Yeah. I want to know how soon that's going to get addressed. Because, hey, we could go out here, uh, Merry Christmas, you got Cam Coleman, you got Perry Thompson, you got Bryce Kane, you got Malcolm Simmons. Great. All right, but now we need to stop, and it's third and 19, and they convert, and our, our guys aren't going to get on the field to give, it a, to give it a go. I wonder when they're going to address that, how they're going to address that, because to your point, I've seen that already. We can talk about all the offenses and what they were in those years, but what we had every single time we were good was somebody who was guaranteed to get to the quarterback and make a big play. Haven't seen it here since, like you said, 2019. Yeah, and I think that, you know, everyone understands that SEC big boy football across the country is one in the trenches. Who is going to be able to dominate up front? And Auburn needs to find a way to be dominant up front. We've been good, but we've not been dominant in the trenches over the last, really, I mean, domination in the trenches. Again, you have to go back to those Derrick Brown years where you felt like that defensive line is really pushing people around. Right. Is really affecting how you have to scheme because you feel like, get the ball out, they're coming. Right, right. And that, that I we, we just have not seen that consistently from an Auburn defense. Every now and then against certain competition, but I'm right. talking about against the most elite teams on your schedule, you know that defensive line is going to be a problem for whoever they line up against. Right. We have not seen that for Auburn consistently, and I hope that Coach Hugh Freeze and staff are able to address that concern specifically during this offseason because I feel good about the direction of the offensive line right. for the first time in – God knows how long right. I feel good about the direction of the offensive line. I like the talent we have in the cupboard, and I feel like though we're going to be losing a lot of playing time, a lot of snaps, we have a lot of talented young men that I feel like are being groomed to be successful in this program. We have a lot of star power. You know, people love to quote how many stars. Like we got some stars that are there. They might need to plug a hole or two here in, in the portal mm -hmm. to get some more depth for that room, particularly at the offensive tackle. Right. But the defensive line, you look at that and you don't see a lot of production returning. Right. And you don't see a lot of depth. We already know that they don't feel like they're deep there. Right. So how are we going to be able to make sure that we bring back a 
front line of, you know, top three guys that are going to be good mm-hmm. and another wave of three to four that you're going to be able to, to rotate. The 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 injury to Nasili Kite, I think, hurt this defensive line more than people realize. Yeah. So hopefully we can find some more depth and we can get another Nasili Kite type of guy in the portal who's going to be a, a good effective against the run and good enough against as a pass threat or a pass a threat in the pass game mm-hmm. to be able to make our defensive line more solid. Yeah. I'm with you. All right. Enough of us talking. You guys came in here to get your thoughts out and we definitely want to hear those. War Report family, you are listening to The Morning Drop, where we talk about the most recent and relevant Auburn sports news. We broadcast live from The War Report's YouTube channel on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern, 9 Central Time. You're welcome to come watch it live, but the live chat is reserved for our YouTube channel members only. So come on by, become a member, and get active in the best Auburn sports community on the webs. We'll be right back after we pay a couple bills. Thanks for sticking around through the ad break. Now, here's the rest of your morning drop. Drop! All right, we're going to get over here into your comments today. We appreciate you all dropping in with us. We'll get things started off with Jerron Thomas, who says, War Eagle family, we lost and it sucks. But if you can't see the direction we're headed in, you're blind. We will be okay. We will be. We will be. Mr. Thomas, I, I, I agree with you, man. I think that we're going to be all right. There are some things to look forward to, uh, but there's a lot of things that we've got to get fixed, right? Um, you know, first and foremost, I think the quarterback position needs to be addressed. Yeah, You've got to figure out who your quarterback is going to be and what direction. The odd thing about this, and I haven't had a chance to get my rocks off about this for Go this ahead. game. Go ahead. I think Peyton Thorne played a, a good game Saturday. He, but oddly he enough, yeah. it was mostly his ability to run the football, Mike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was waiting on it. His ability to run the football is what neutralized what the defenses were doing. Yes. Isn't that a crazy concept? Mm. Peyton Thorne can use his legs to be able to combat how defenses want to attack our bevy of running backs. Mm-hmm. I wish somebody had thought of that idea. As... Oh, wait. I might, I I might have heard that. Long, I a long time ago I said that. I might have heard it's that. Not, it's not crazy to think, man. It's and, and it's happened more consistently than it hasn't. Peyton Thorne actually can run. Yeah. So utilizing his legs as a weapon to be able to combat what defenses want to do, not a crazy concept, can happen against power five defenses, did happen consistently throughout the season. I really still don't even understand why we were having that debate at that point in time, but, you know, whatever. Um, but he, he grew in his ability to do that. However, he just never was able to be the passer that Auburn needed him to be. Now, there are a litany of reasons why that was. That's not strictly because Peyton Thorne lacks talent. He was a little too tentative at times. And some of the times when he wasn't tentative, guys didn't catch the ball, right? You you have more catches in those scenarios. Maybe he trusts the receivers a little bit more as the season progresses and doesn't feel the need to double and triple check things. Um, some of the times when he wasn't tentative, he was throwing blindly and he throws an interception, right? So, there are a lot of things that need to get worked out at the quarterback position. 
Uh, I don't know if Peyton Thorne is the answer for next season, but they need to figure out what that answer is going to be and figure it out quickly because that's the way that you attract offensive talent in the portal is by solidifying what the quarterback is going to look like. Right. I can't can't imagine that if we're sitting here at the end of our season and early signing day is December 20th, if I'm not mistaken, right? And you have a chance to secure a Cam Coleman. You have a chance to potentially flip a Ryan Williams between now and when he could possibly declare early and, and reclassify to 2024. Do you think, and I'm, and this is, of course, I'm asking you, Ike, but I'm asking the chat, based on the passing yards, the passing consistency, how often he would bail and not look down the field as we reviewed on the film over and over and over again, there's a wide open guy, there's a wide open guy, there's a wide open guy. Nothing makes a wide receiver more frustrated than them running play after play after play, beating their man and the quarterback not even looking their way. Do you think that the play we've seen from Peyton Thorne, the passing yards for the year, less than 100 yards in the Iron Bowl, that the best wide receivers want to come play if that's the quarterback? I agree with you, Ike. It was an admirable performance. It was very rough on those first few drives. He settled down. He got better. The wide receivers and the pass catchers let him down late, and that was mostly the the reason why we couldn't push the ball down the field through the air. Four-quarter game from Peyton Thorne we still never saw. In the best games he played this season, he threw a pick six and another INT. It's There was never a full game like, man, that's exactly what you want as far as his ability to pass the ball. You've got to get somebody who can be consistent and play a clean game the entire game. Not even... Yeah. Not even remarkable plays. Like, I don't know if Peyton Thorne has remarkable plays in his skill set. Just routine, on schedule, consistently from start to finish of a game. I think as a low watermark, Hugh Freeze has to find a guy who can do that at the very least. If he's a playmaker too, even better. But I can't say that there is a lot of confidence, that you have a lot of confidence that Peyton Thorne can be a good quarterback from the start of a game to a, to the finish of a game. And we're talking even after he was the only person starting, and there was no switching. He still threw an INT a game. Like that, that's not something that you, that's not good enough for the level of offense we're trying to go. He's got to get somebody that puts confidence in the, in the guys who are here and the guys he's trying to get. I, I'm with you. Yeah, I, I think you got to address the quarterback. And then we've already talked about you have to de- address the defensive line and figure out how to get more depth and consistently from that consistency, excuse me, from that group. Um, Outside of that, I think, you know, the, you need at least one or two playmakers at the wide receiver position, because I feel like the attrition out of the wide receiver room between people who've lost eligibility and people who don't feel as if they have a place in this offense is going to be heavy. Mm -hmm. So those freshmen that you have coming in as dynamic as they are, I don't know that you want to just trot out a room full of freshmen there at wide receiver. You need one or two guys that have been around and have been productive at other places that want to get an opportunity to go to the next level on the biggest stage. So Mm. wide receiver, quarterback, and defensive line need to see an, an offensive tackle, I think, are the four places that Auburn really needs to solidify. And really at a fifth place, I'd say, is linebacker, depending upon what happens with Eugene Asante. I know Austin Keys likely will come back. Right. But you got to have some depth behind those because you have a bunch of inexperienced guys behind them. Right, right. But uh, 
All right, moving on. Jonathan Boyson, I still think it all comes back to the D-line and pass rush with four. Since Brown and Davidson got drafted, that was the last thing we could get. We could rush for and get pressure consistently. Yeah. Uh, we definitely ab- agree with that, Jonathan. Yeah, for sure. It's been rough. Michael since. Carlisle says someone needs to explain Eugene running around at the twenty-yard line on fourth down on on the fourth down play and not chasing Milrow out of the pocket. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I looked at this would be when we got when I got back to the crib and I was looking at the plays um, for third down and fourth down. The difference in which the ways the defenders were attempting to go and pass rush. Yeah. They were clearly told on that fourth down play to keep him in the pocket. Right. Why they were told that, I don't have the first clue. But none of those guys, like, people are like, oh, man, we only rushed two with a spy. No, we didn't. We had three spies on that play. Right. Nobody was trying to get to the pass. They, not a single, go back and look at that play again. They were not even trying to get to him. And it has to be, if you look at third down and you look at fourth down, they had to have been told, hey, just keep him in front of you. That does not make sense to me. Right. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand that philosophically, why you would say, don't even try to go after him on this play. Give him all the time in the world. We'll just blanket him. In. No. that did, I, I didn't understand that. Um, but yes, yeah, someone needs to explain why that made sense to them. Yeah. Uh, and I don't have an explanation for you. No. Uh, let's see. P pass says any update on Demario Tolan? Mm. Uh, I pray for him and not in a football sense. I have not heard any updates on Demario. Uh, that's a name that has kind of gotten lost in the shuffle over yeah. the last, you know, couple of months since football season started. Um, it was reported at the time that he was taking a break from football altogether and he was still welcome back with the team. Uh, but that name has not come up in any discussions as of recent. So I don't know where we are with that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Didn't see this, but we do have a super chat here. Appreciate that from Josh Corbett it says any chances Riley Leonard comes to Auburn. For those that don't know, Riley Leonard is currently the quarterback at Duke University. His head coach, Mike Elko, is rumored to be the next coach for Texas A&M. Oh, that's official. I find it. That's official. Oh, it's official now. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, yeah. until the ink dries, I don't know that any of that stuff is official. But all right, they've announced it at least that he's yeah. going to be he's the next head coach. team and, and stuff like that and told him. All right, all right. Well, that's as official as it gets because the last dude that they said was going to be at Texas A&M came back after they won a game and was like, <laughs> nah, just playing. Um, <laughs> hey, y'all, give a, I, mean, I love y'all. I went going nowhere. Man, they turned um, you down, man. Get out of my face. So, you know, of course, message boards and discords all over the Auburn sphere are in a, a flutter about the potential of Riley Leonard for a lot of good, different reasons. Um, it is unlikely that he follows his head coach to Texas A&M, considering they already have an incumbent guy there in Connor Wickman. I think that they are pretty confident in. If he, if if Riley Leonard goes to Texas A&M, Connor Wickman's leaving. Let's be clear about that. There's no him. reason for Connor. <laughs> yeah. there, there's no reason for Connor to sit another year when he was having statistically one of the better seasons in the SEC before right. he got hurt. Um, and he didn't. There, injury is the reason that he didn't, he wasn't the starting quarterback there. So right. if I were him, I'd be like, all right, cool, I'm bouncing. Right. So. Right. I don't see that happening. The other potential situation for him is whether or not he wants to try his hand at the NFL draft. And I've actually been talking 
behind the scenes about this for weeks about this being a possibility and why I think it doesn't make sense for Leonard to go to the NFL draft because of how heavy this quarterback draft class is likely to be with guys who are going to be leaving this season. He is not on anybody's draft board right now, probably in the top six or seven quarterbacks that are draft eligible, which means he's not likely to get drafted before the third round. It makes sense for him to come back for another season. Is Auburn the destination for him? I don't know. Yes, there is a chance to answer the question. Uh, How likely that chance is really depends on what the, you know, number one, is he going to enter the portal? Is Duke going to bring in another guy who they feel like is, he feels like gives him a good shot at, you know, having a good season there in the ACC? I don't know. Uh, We will see a lot left to be determined there, but I do think that that there is a chance if he decides to transfer that Auburn will be in the tops of his destination that he wants to go to. Yeah, and I see Michael Carlisle and Corey Weber both noting that his girlfriend goes to Auburn. Right. And on top of that, he's actually from Mobile, which is something mm-hmm. that uh, Blake from Up to Impo consistently reminds us about because uh, he's all on board with Riley Leonard. But yeah, this was the perfect situation. We needed Jimbo to get fired to release Cam Coleman. That's happened. So we've got a shot there. We needed out of a few quarterbacks who needed one year to prove something that were actually good and showed well at their current spot. I think Ike, we were thinking through possibilities about uh, Grace, Grayson McCall still there at Coastal Carolina, even though he got hurt late in the season. And I think it was actually a head or neck injury. I'm not sure. It was a serious injury, though, so he couldn't play mm-hmm. the last few games. Uh, Riley Leonard was one of those guys. And there was one more we were we were – pontificating. I can't remember what it was, but this is it. His head coach went to a spot that already has an incumbent QB. You're not going to go there and beat out, not with, again, to your point, Wegman's numbers, as far as overall, I looked at the PFF grades, he had the best grade. Now, granted, two of his games were against Cupcakes and one was against Miami, but even still, at that point of the season where he got hurt, he was among the the top two or three quarterbacks graded in our conference. Would it have stayed that way? I'm not sure. Who knows? I still think you're not going to unseat him if he wants to stay at Texas A&M. He knows Mike Elko. Mike Elko knows him. I think they've got every reason for that battery, Mike Elko and Connor Wakeman to stay. It's going to be more so about who the offensive coordinator is, right? Because Mike Elko's a defensive guy. He is, he is. But at least you, you have some trust for him. And I think that familiarity is probably going to work in Texas A&M's favor to help keep the entirety of that roster together. The the recruiting class, who knows? But this is exactly what we needed to happen. A qualified guy with ties to AU seemingly and proximity. His home is three hours away from Auburn. Hey, this is it. This is what we needed to happen. Let's see if it happens. I got I to gotta imagine that as soon as the portal opens up, Hugh Freeze is going to be like, Hey, man, come on down right now. Come see this facility. We got a number on a locker, and we're going to put your name on here. Just, just Let's just look at it and see what it looks like, son. Come on down. Yeah. I think, again, I, I think that there are a lot of things that that lean in Auburn's favor um, with Riley Leonard. Now, Riley Leonard's not a guy that I have a bunch of tape on that I've been watching. You know, right. I the few games I saw him play, uh, he looked good. Yeah. Like, I think that he's a talented quarterback. You know, he is... Definitely someone who's worthy of taking a look at. I'll right. say that. Yeah. Um, another super chat from Josh Corbett who says, also, can Kite come back next year? No, he is out of eligibility, and I do not believe that they would give him a medical red shirt because he played too many games before he got injured. 
Um, A&M was the fourth or fifth game of the year? A&M was the fourth. You didn't get hurt in the A&M? Or was it the Georgia game? I think it was the Georgia game that he got hurt. Oh, that because was that's like the game the where they one. where he faked the injury. Yeah. And then he ended up getting hurt later in that game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, again, I think he played too many games to be granted a medical red shirt, and he was already on a COVID year when he came here. So I think that he is done and will have to try to find try his hand at professional football if he wants to continue a football career. Yeah. Um, all right, we're actually over time already, but we're going to get some quick hitters in here before we uh, get out of here. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jordan Martin says, Ron Roberts was a hell of a hire, but that's the only thing that needs to improve his third and long defense. Agreed there. Um, our guy Dustin Smith over at the Uptempo podcast says, Joseph Phillips and Waller will be a hell of edge, uh, will, will be hell on edge together. Yeah, I agreed, especially if you're going to have uh, uh, Jalen uh, McLeod come back. You stick around. Agreed. Really quality, talented edge defenders that are there that will give you depth that you should be able to just throw a battery of guys out there. Um, and I'd love to see some packages where multiple of those guys are out there on the field at the same time um, coming from either side and not having to blitz at all. So hopefully right. that'll be a thing. Right. Steve Bradley says, Freeze is way ahead of the first portal than when he arrived. I think the trenches need some desperate choices. Agreed there. Will Barclay says, I, I mean, didn't we get four or five star four a, a four, four or five, five star, star edge commit a couple of weeks ago? Flip from Florida. He's young, but still we have a few good D-line recruits. We absolutely did. Um interior is a little different story, but yeah. Yeah, I, the edge, I think we're good, um, you know, as pointed out from the comment from Dustin. I think we've got some good edge defenders coming. The interior defensive line not a lot of snaps coming back. Again, going to be interesting to see who decides to transfer. Jason Jones still has another year of eligibility, so he and he can't transfer unless he graduates and decides he wants to go somewhere else. Lawrence Johnson was there on the defensive interior, not going to be coming back. Um, and we'll, we'll we'll have time to kind of parse out all the guys who can't come back and the guys that we are, are going to start to hit the portal over the next week or so. Again, transfer portal opens one week from today. A lot of announcements probably coming in the next two weeks of guys going to be hitting one uh, super chat before we get out of here. Thank you. Quintez Renfro, who says, I think Hugh freeze, uh, think Hugh freeze, not getting the Koi Keontae info has much to do with the special teams coach, not being on the field. Mm. Um, I don't know what the reasoning is. Here's, here's my thoughts on this before we, uh, and I didn't get a chance to speak on this. I commented a little bit on the chat yesterday. Listen, I'm not mad. Like people putting a lot of, uh, whatever on coach Hugh freeze for not knowing it was not Keontae and it was Koi more out there. They have the same number uh, and they're back there catching a the punt. That's not a big deal for me. Him not knowing probably later on after it happened, I think is a little bit more uh, indicative of where his focus was at that time. I'm not mad at that. I'm not even mad that they sent Koi more out there on the field instead of Keontae Scott, because apparently Keontae had tweaked his ankle right before on the third down play. Mm -hmm. If you're Koi more, You've never muffed a punt before. This is like the worst time for it to happen. It happened. It's not the first time anybody's ever muffed a punt before. Is it more likely to happen because it wasn't Keontae Scott? I don't know the answer to that. Keontae Scott could have muffed the punt. Now, he hasn't muffed a bunch of punts, but he has before. It happened, bro. Like, Coy Moore has been fielding punts before in this season, never had that issue. Yeah. The boy trip, man. 
calm down. Y'all act like he just, every time he went back there, he muffed the point. How could you possibly, like, man, settle down, bro. He made a mistake. I, and it was a costly mistake. I don't think you as a fan feel worse than Coy Moore does. Right. So, like, getting upset at him and he needs to transfer and all, like, I get it. I really do get all the anger towards him and it's unfortunate. But that's not anybody's fault for sending him in the game. You expect a guy who fields punts to go in there and field a punt? He wasn't, it, it wasn't so far away. Like, had he not tripped up, it wasn't like some crazy, he wasn't like lunging to try to catch it. He tripped. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know. Again, I, I get all the anger and I get, you know, the everybody kind of second guessing the decisions and all that. But it is what it is. It happened and it's over. I, I feel bad for the kid because he does work really hard on all the things. He's it's something he's never done before. And it, for it to happen the first time ever in that scenario, terrible. Yeah. I don't know what else to say. I don't blame the coaches for that because what do you, you, you want Keontae Scott to go out there with a hurt ankle? The only coaching decision that could have potentially been better is don't send somebody back there. But what if they hit a really good punt and it dribbles down inside the five there now and you're backed up inside your own? Like for field position sake, yes, you want someone fielding that punt in that yeah. scenario just in case you can field it and stop it from like right. again. Yeah, there's a lot of scenarios that we can be upset about. We had the opportunity even after that muffed punt to get off the field, though. The muff punt contributed to them having short field position, yes. But even with the muff punt, fourth and 31, y'all. Even with the muff punt, fourth and 31. Yeah. You don't have to keep saying it, man. I'm just saying, like, stop killing Coy Moore like he was out there on the field for fourth and 31. He wasn't. <sighs> All right, man. That's fourth it. and I'm 31. At, I'm, I'm, I'm done talking about it, bro. Before you get out of here, please share the video, like the video, subscribe to the channel. If you're listening on podcast, make sure you give us that five-star review. We will be back at you guys with another Morning Drop re reacting to today's press conference from Coach Hugh Freeze tomorrow morning on The Drop. Make sure you are right back here with us. Until the next time, and as always, War Eagle. War Eagle. Drop! Drop!